Welcome back to Brojo Online. We're going to go in a slightly different direction today. We're going to talk about climate change. And I know that's kind of off topic from what we usually talk about on this channel, but it's something I wanted to discuss because it affects all of us so drastically. And if we don't discuss it and we don't deal with it properly, the effects were going to be disastrous. So let's dive into it today. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Munro. The reason I want to talk about climate change today, well, there's a few reasons. Firstly, it's because I'm seeing a lot of people should do something and people should change, but very little practical guidance as to what this means. There seems to be a lot of passing the buck, like somebody else should do something. And I wanted to provide a resource based on other resources that I've looked at that gives you guidance on what you as an individual can do without needing to wait for anybody else or needing anybody else to do anything. So I wanted to do that. Secondly, it's also a matter of integrity for me. I have a love of science, or a respect of science, I should say. I have a great empathy for future generations of children. You know, I have nephews and nieces now. I'll probably have children of my own in the near future. And the thought of them suffering and suffocating and even just not being able to see a wide array of wildlife upsets me. I want them to have a great experience of life. I don't want them to be the final generation of humans that sees our extinction and suffers through it. And I believe it's our responsibility, us here now, to make sure of that, you know, by the time it gets to them, it will be too late. It's a matter of honesty. I've seen a lot of dishonesty around the climate change topic being thrown about, and I want to try and outweigh that somehow by adding more honesty to the debate. And just a general principle I have about fighting against evil. There are a lot of evil forces at play when it comes to climate change, and up until this point, they have been winning. And if they continue to win, we will go extinct. And so I'm not going to be able to sleep at night if I don't fight against it. I want to make a disclaimer here. Everything I recommend, or nearly everything I recommend or will recommend in this podcast, are things that I do. Okay? This is one of the uh, pieces of work where I really don't feel like a hypocrite at all. Okay? I'm not a member of Greenpeace. I'm not a tree hugger. I'm not a vegan. But I am, in my own way, a climate change fighter. I'm not even an activist, but I have done many things in my life to reduce my carbon footprint and to do my bit. And so when I talk through the strategies that I'm going to share here today, please note that I'm not just preaching from a pulpit. I live this stuff, and I can provide evidence that I do so. Before we go any further, of course, I'm going to have to address the few stubborn people that remain at not believing in climate change. I understand why. I'm not going to go too much into that now, but essentially it's to do with fear. The fear of responsibility, the fear of death. There's a lot of things that accepting the climate change diagnosis does to us. We have to accept that we are one of the last generations of humans if nothing changes. That we are mortal. The whole human race can go extinct and will. 
We have to accept that each individual has to do their own part. We can't wait for some big shadowy corporation or some mystical government to do a change. Every single individual human being has to live differently if we want to survive. We're going to have to sacrifice certain comforts. And I believe this is at the core of the people who are denying climate change and battling against it and making nasty comments about anybody who speaks out about it. You know, the most recent being that Greta Thunberg, or however you say her last name, she's been attacked quite ruthlessly online, quite uh, ad hominem attacks, very personal, based on her credibility, despite the fact that everything she says absolutely aligns with scientific fact, and that's the more important point. You've got to understand that if you do not believe that A, climate change is escalating and going to kill us all, and B, that this is man-made, that it's us that's doing this, and therefore it's us that can stop it, you are essentially in the same kind of field of ignorance as people who don't believe in gravity, or people who believe the earth is flat, or people who don't believe in apples, or owls, or that the sky is above and the ground is below. Climate change is pure scientific fact. It's as strong a fact as the theory of gravity, as the existence of trees. Scientists from all around the world in many, many different disciplines, literally hundreds of thousands of people over the last few decades, highly qualified, with high expertise, have all come to the same conclusions. And they've come to them through rigorous scientific method, and verification with each other. There is no doubt anymore. This is not some mass conspiracy. Even if a conspiracy at that level could exist, there's nothing to be gained in it. You know, conspiracies only really work if there's some reward. If the whole scientific community is in fact one grand conspiracy, then their reward is that we all live better and longer. So really, how, where's the evil in that? Even if they're lying, if we do what they say... We all have a better life, so no one loses. If you just don't know about the science, if you've been getting all your information from Facebook and YouTube, you can go direct to the source. Go to the United Nations website, UN, and look at all the reports, and within the reports you will see the citations to the scientific articles. You can go to the source material. NASA, I think it's nasa.org also has a huge array of source material on the effects of climate change. And you can just see the proof for yourself. And in fact, we're living in an age now, the scariest part, where you can measure it all by yourself. You can go through the internet and look at all the temperature records for your local area and for the world. You can look at the sea levels yourself. You can go and look at pictures that show the sea levels. Or you can literally measure it yourself. You can check the temperature each day track it, and then compare it year after year, and you'll see that it just keeps going up. You don't have to like Greta Thunberg. Maybe you don't take her seriously. Fine, don't. Take the scientists seriously. What about David Attenborough? What about Leonardo DiCaprio's organization that's uh, fighting climate change? What about Neil deGrasse Tyson? What about Bill Nye, the science guy? Or what about 97% of all scientists all over the world? Do you not take them seriously either? Because they're all saying the same thing as Greta, as David Attenborough, as Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Scientists around the world are shouting at us, we've got to do something now or we're fucked. And they've got no reason to say this other than to prevent our extinction. They're not making this stuff up. And that's all I'm going to say about that. If you still don't believe it at this point, you are living in denial willingly. You're choosing to ignore the facts because you're scared, and that makes you a coward. Now, on to the more positive stuff. Not everyone can do everything, okay? I do most of what I'm about to recommend, but even I can't do it all. But the great thing is, everything I'm going to give you in this podcast, you can pick and choose. Even choosing one of the many things I suggest will have an impact. And the more of them you can do, the bigger impact you can have. Any small impact counts. It all will make a difference. So just pick and choose. You can skip over the stuff you don't want to do and do the stuff you do want to do. Maybe you don't live in a situation where you can plant trees, but maybe you can stop eating meat. Maybe you don't want to stop eating meat, but maybe you could buy an electric car. Maybe you can't afford an electric car, but maybe you could get your food from wholesale uh, boutique stores rather than corporations, and so on and so forth. You'll be able to do something with what I give you, no matter what your life situation is, whether you're wealthy and rich in a first world country or scratching a living in a third world country, there'll be something on this list you can do, some small part, so that you can sleep well at night. So you don't feel guilty about leaving our children and our grandchildren to die suffering and suffocating, drowning in floods, running out of food. So pick and choose. The key message I wanted to get across today is we can't wait for other people. I think that is what's doing the most damage right now. There's a lot of talk about climate change, but very, very little action. Now, there is some people doing some stuff, granted, you know, and and it's worth looking for. There are people out there planting trees. There are people out there turning plastics into other materials and recycling it. There are people out there giving up their fossil fuels for other sources of fuel. There's a lot of work being done. But most people are sitting around either denying that it needs to happen or saying somebody else should do something. The government should change. The corporations should change. You have to change. You and me and everybody. And it's our change that will change the bigger people. When we change our behavior, the corporations will have to change or otherwise they'll go bankrupt. When we change our behavior, the politicians will have to change or otherwise they won't get voted into office. We will make them change by role modeling the behavior And it won't cost you much. It will take a little bit of effort. It might be a tiny bit of hassle, a slight reduction in your comfort level. But this is surpassed by the reward of knowing that you're really making a tangible difference. The key here is we need to reduce what's called the carbon footprint. It's a term that you've heard many times and probably don't understand. I barely understand it myself, but it's a really simple one when you look at it as the amount that you consume. Essentially, what's what's doing the most damage is the consumption of natural resources being turned into unnatural resources and then not being replaced, not being renewed. It's a finite equation. If we consume more than we create, we end up with zero. And that's the most simple way to put it. We are consuming more than we create. We're not renewing what we take away. And our waste material isn't going anywhere, and it might seem like this is a very big planet. But we don't need to cover the whole thing to do a lot of damage. So pollution and waste material, even in small amounts, can do damage. And you combine that with 
that kind of counterbalance of consuming more than we produce, consuming more than we create, the final equation is everything dies. And what science is telling us is that we're getting really close to that point now. We're getting towards a tipping point or multiple tipping points where we won't be able to turn back the clock. We won't be able to undo the damage. It will be too late. And from there on out, it'll just be a matter of time. Yet, many scientists are still optimistic that if drastic changes were to take place around your carbon footprint today, we have a shot. We have a shot at preventing our own extinction. There's kind of four main things you need to keep in mind here. First is reducing the use of fossil fuels. In other words, reducing demand consumption. You know, they're used in transport power, but they're also used in manufacture. It's not just driving a car. There's a lot of things you buy that took a lot of fossil fuels to be created. Even owning something like a coffee mug or a table or a lawnmower has a carbon footprint to it. And understanding that will help you understand that simply consuming less overall is the way to go. And we're going to talk a bit about minimalism today and how consuming less is actually good for you anyway. Second thing is pollution. Plastic doesn't go anywhere. Toxic waste does not deteriorate. All this stuff is somewhere. Every plastic bottle that's ever been created is somewhere right now. Everything you've ever thrown away is somewhere. Recycling is minimal. I remember the kind of optimistic bullshit we got when we were in the 90s about how abundant recycling seemed to be. We'd put things into all these different bins and I'd assume that the Coke bottle I was drinking out of used to be three different Coke bottles from the past, but turns out that's not the case. Most stuff simply does not get recycled and really, I mean most, more than 90%. So pretty much everything you use is new and everything you throw away is sitting in a waste dump somewhere or floating around in the ocean. If we keep going at this rate, 7 billion humans, each one of them producing a plastic bag full of waste every single day, the equation doesn't work out very well for us. And thirdly, there's simply a battle between two chemical agents, oxygen and carbon dioxide. So the simplest way to put it, essentially, we consume oxygen and put out carbon dioxide. And we are in competition with other life forms that consume carbon dioxide and put out oxygen. The most obvious one being trees, though there is some others, some marine life that does this as well. Really simply put, kind of an oversimplification, if there's more people than there are trees, or should I say there's more people breathing out carbon dioxide than there are trees taking it in, the atmosphere changes and eventually becomes poisonous. And you think of all the ways that we put out carbon dioxide, it's not just humans breathing out, but of course our motor vehicles and everything else that spews this stuff into the environment, we're competing with the trees, or should I say the trees are trying to balance us out, and unfortunately we're cutting them all down and not replanting them at a rate that matches our carbon dioxide output. So. Those are kind of the three main factors. I think I said four before, but it's really three that I want to talk about. And what I want to do today, and from here on out, is turn this into practical activities. How can you have an effect on the reduction of fossil fuels, the reduction of pollution, and the reduction of carbon dioxide into the environment? 
First and foremost, minimalism. The simplest way, I think, to have a positive impact on the environment is just to use less. That's the simplest way I can put it. And minimalism is an entire philosophy based on using less. I've already done a whole podcast on minimalism, so if you want to learn more about that and how it builds confidence, you can scroll through the podcast on SoundCloud and find that one. But essentially, if you use less, you save money, you save time, you save attention, you lose weight. There's all sorts of great things about using less, but more importantly for this podcast, you will have a smaller carbon footprint and therefore be doing your part. Remember what I said before, all the products you use, everything from textiles and clothing through to electronics, automobiles, all of these things require the burning of fossil fuels to be created. So the less of those things you buy, the lower the demand for them, the less they're produced, and therefore the better for the environment. And it's very simple. Keep things until they break. Don't upgrade without needing to. Not only will you reduce your impact, but you'll reduce your neediness. You'll find that quite often we throw things away when they've still got a lot of use in them, simply because they're looking a bit scuffed. And it creates this kind of gluttonous consumer mindset, where you just constantly churn through things, rather than appreciating them and using them to their full worth. Give things away. Make thing, Rather than throwing things away, look for a way to gift them to somebody to be reused. There are a lot of charitable organizations and you've got friends and family in need. There's a lot of stuff you throw away that somebody else would consider gold. So making a little bit of effort to find those people rather than just chucking something in the bin. Get used to discomfort. Reduce the amount that you use heating and cooling systems. These are high up in the list of consumption of fossil fuels, either directly or indirectly, and effect on the environment. Cooling systems put a lot of chemicals into the air. And heating systems consume a lot of power, which is usually based on fossil fuels. Now, if you've got solar power, then heat away. But generally, heating and cooling systems tend to be overused by people. We become a very sort of cowardly, comfortable species where we never want to be outside of a very small range of temperature when actually it would harden you up to be a bit colder and a bit hotter than you're comfortable being. Even delaying by a few hours when you turn the system on or off could make all the difference, or choosing a few more weeks of autumn before you start using heating, or a few more weeks of summer before you start using air conditioning. This will all have a big impact. You'll find that you can manage your temperature just fine if your house is properly insulated, and you wear the correct clothing. You don't need these systems. You're just used to them because your body has essentially got soft from getting used to these systems. You can have a huge impact on the environment by not using them. And you'll build confidence. That's a great thing about minimalism. The less you are attached to things making you comfortable, the more you'll become confident in yourself. So try to see how little you can get by on. How little can you consume in order to survive? Even eating can be reduced. Most people eat far too much. I mean, there's the obesity trend in, in countries like America and the United Kingdom. They're at the point where I think it's more rather than less. It's like more than 50% of people are technically obese. That's a lot of extra food that you don't need to be eating. And all the fossil fuels that were burned to create that food. There are many people who have shown without 
there are many scientific studies show that you can get by on one meal a day, and that's actually optimal for your health. Or even two. Intermittent fasting is something I've been doing for quite a while now. It reduces the amount of food I eat overall, and I'm fine. I'm in the best health that I've ever been in. So I was wasting a lot of food before, and I was buying a lot of food that came in packaging and so on and so forth. So even reducing the amount you eat has a positive impact on the environment. The key thing is just reducing. You are using more than you need to be, and you can cut it all down. For those of you with a bit more money to get started, invest in solar power. Pretty much most developed countries can do this now. You can get some panels chucked on your roof. They cost a bit to, to set up, but the investment actually pays off. It's within about 5 or 10 years you're actually saving money on power and essentially making money. So they are an asset, not a liability. And you can sleep at night knowing you've done very little damage to the environment. Solar cells are very low damage to create, very long-lasting. And in terms of total balance, they do far more good than bad when compared to fossil fuels. And they're now available to the individual. Probably if you're middle class or above, you can afford to get it done. And even if you're not, understand that if you could uh, get a loan or whatever to get it done, you're going to save money in the long run. Stop shopping for anything you don't need. And when you do, try to walk or take a train instead of driving. Go to a local store rather than shopping malls or ordering online. Ordering online is comfortable, I know, but it consumes so much more fossil fuels in the long run than you taking a walk down to the local boutique store and buying it yourself. All of these things have an impact, especially if you turn them into habits. If you live this way for a long time, your total lifetime accumulation of impact will be massive. So a little bit each day goes a really, really long way. But that's, I think, probably the simplest way to have a positive effect on climate change, or a positive counter-effect, I should say, is just consume less. Buy less shit, eat less stuff, use less things, share things around more, try to get by on as little as possible, and you'll be doing your part. Next is about career change. Now, the way most of us work is really unproductive in terms of environmental damage. We drive in traffic for an hour and a half to get to an office that consumes all sorts of resources and then we drive home again. All the time we're just like heating the planet up. We live in an age where this is no longer necessary nor is it enjoyable or productive. There's really no win in that 9 to 5 style of wage slavery that we've become accustomed to. There is a new way. And if you're ready to change your career, you can have a huge positive impact on the environment. And the best thing is it will improve your quality of life significantly and instantaneously. So you get an immediate reward for doing this. You don't even have to do it for the environment. You can do it for yourself and everybody wins. Probably the best thing that you could do with your career to help the environment is find a way to work from home. This takes out all of your commute because it's your commute that's doing all the damage. But it also starts to reduce the demand overall for corporate buildings. For offices that burn the lights all day long and pump heating and cooling systems all day long and waste tons of resources that they don't need to because most companies overspend on that stuff. Somebody working from home doesn't use any more than they would usually use 
and they get a, such a better quality of life and any extra money that they spend on electricity and so forth is more than saved by the money they no longer spend on transport. If you run a business, ask yourself why are my employees not working from home? Because if you're just stuck in some old rut, some old mindset where people have to come into the office, question it. Why do you still have that idea? Because the science on this is clear. People are more productive when they're allowed to work from home. I know it goes against intuition, but it's fact at this point. Many, many countries have exper- experimented with this. You can, you can look it up online. Simple fact is people working from home are at least as productive, if not more productive, than they are when working in an office. And they have less impact on the environment. And they have a higher quality of life and enjoy their job more. Win, 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 fucking win. There's no point in doing things in the old, like, let's go to prison at 8 a.m. in the morning bullshit anymore. Start your own business or become a freelancer. If you've been doing any job for more than five years experience worth, you've already got your 10,000 hours of expertise. You can now become a freelancer or a consultant in this area because you're one of the most knowledgeable people. You can break away from wage slavery, and if a lot of people do this, we will actually break the wage slave model. I say wage slave very deliberately because it is slavery. When slavery was abolished, all the uh, big sort of capitalists went, well, how do we keep the slaves? And they realized, oh, we just got to pay them a little bit. And then they remain our slaves, and that's exactly what's happened. People work... 8 hours, 9 hours a day, even though they're only productive for 2 or 3 of those hours, and they follow rules and they wear uniforms, they are still slaves. And you can break out of this if you've developed enough expertise. If a lot of people did this, starting their own business, using all the online... there's so many, (laughs) There are so many great online resources to become a freelancer now. There's all these websites where you can set yourself up. You could even start it part-time on the side of your job until you feel secure enough to leave. So there's no risk in doing it. And then of course, you can be like me and just start your own business straight up. But it's a lot easier to do now than it once was thanks to the internet, especially thanks to service-based businesses being able to be delivered by the internet. So you don't have to only have local customers anymore. Anybody has 7 billion potential customers sitting out there. So you can break out of this model, and in doing so, we will simply dismantle corporations, and corporations are the ones doing all the damage. That's where all the toxic waste comes from, and that's where all the massive carbon footprints are to be found. If everyone's working from home as a freelancer or as a consultant, all of that goes away. And the kind of the inherent evil that we seem to find in corporations, those nameless, faceless Groups where no one person has to take responsibility. You know, that's destroyed if each and every one of us are taking responsibility. Now, there's no problem with being an employee. It's often a great starting position in your career. But understand, if you've been doing something for five years, you're now essentially making money for somebody else when you could be keeping all that money for yourself and doing the environment a favor by working from home. Focus on services over products. We've got enough products. The world is grossly abundant with products what we lack are services people helping people to be better people you have some sort of skill that can be turned into a service-based business that you can do from home most of you listening to that is true if you could just be brave enough 
And we've got plenty of resources in Brojo to help you do that from scratch. So head over to brojo.org slash pub. To see our publications, use the search option, type in start your own business, and you'll see how ridiculously straightforward it is. Improve your quality of life, improve the environment. Boom, home run. Next, proactive conservation. Simply put, one of the best things that you can do for the environment is plant trees. It's one of the most straightforward ways that you can have a direct measurable impact on CO2 levels in the air and therefore on the greenhouse effect, which is really what's going to kill us all. If you just jump on the internet and have a look around, you will find that there are opportunities already within driving distance probably of you to plant some trees. But you can also get together with a group of friends, find somebody's got some property, and just cover it in trees. There's plenty of good land out there waiting for a tree to be planted. It doesn't cost much to buy saplings. You can get some friends together, you can make a day out of it, plant your little mini forest, and you've done a huge amount for the environment. Do this once a month, and by the end of your life, you'll probably have planted the equivalent of a huge forest. And that makes a difference. Particularly if you can create a wildlife sanctuary of some kind. It doesn't have to be big. But if you can create a wooded area, a tree-abundant area, that supports an array of wildlife, you'll be doing a huge favor to future generations, partly because of the planting of trees, but also to preserve the diversity of species. You know, diverse wildlife is what keeps the world balanced. It's one of the greatest uh, threats to our existence at the moment is how many species are going extinct. It's up to about a 100 different species a day now, maybe more. And each of these are in the food chain and each of them affect each other. There are certain species that if they die off, we're all fucked, like plankton or honeybees. They are key elements in the food chain. If they die, everything that relies on them dies. And we are one of the ones who rely on animals like that. So when you create wildlife sanctuaries of any kind, of any kind in the water or on the land, you are supporting the diversity of wildlife. So if you have any spare land at all, even a few square feet, plant a tree, dig out a little pond, plant some flowers, and you'll be doing your part. Plus, a lot of you don't understand how much you'll enjoy doing this. We're horticulturalists as a species, and many of us don't realize how enjoyable it is to get your hands dirty and deal with the environment uh, until you actually do it for the first time. It's amazing as I get older to watch how many of my friends get into gardening, something they would have scoffed at 10 years ago, because they don't realize how satisfying it is to grow something from nothing and see it actually work out. So you can create a new hobby that actually improves your quality of life, and again, everybody wins. A key one, and this is one that I know many people are resistant to, but it's got to be said, is to eat less or no meat. The factory farming industry, the mass amount of bovine and ovine animals that we bring together, they burp and they fart, and this contributes significantly to the greenhouse effect. And all of this has been clearly proven scientifically. Especially beef. If you don't want to be a vegetarian or a vegan, that's okay, but consider just cutting beef out of your diet. That alone, if we can reduce the demand on cow meat, 
and therefore the, the reduce the production of cattle, we're going to have a huge impact on the environment. You can still eat chicken and fish and shit. Like, you don't have to totally miss out. This isn't some moral vegan thing. The vegans have a point, clearly. Their way of eating is the most aligned with scientific conservation principles. To eat no animals at all is the best thing you can do in terms of your eating. But if you don't want to do that, you can still do a variation of it by eating less meat overall or by cutting beef from your diet in particular. Um, I still eat meat, but I don't eat beef anymore. Very rarely. Once a month, probably, max. And it'll just be because somebody else made it for me at some event. Uh, And I have vegetarian meals maybe once every two days, whereas I used to have meat with every single meal all the time. So I'm doing a little bit, but I know it has a significant impact. And I'll probably try to keep reducing over time. And I've learned that actually meat doesn't have to feature in a dish for it to be delicious. That was just a misunderstanding in my brain that I've been raised with. If you run any kind of team, if you're a CEO or a manager, or you run an organization, you know, you have those team building days and you have activities, why not make them conservation days? I mean, you're going to have the same effect, plus you'll be doing your bit. So when you've got a team building day, rather than going to some office building where you're going to burn more resources, take them out into wildlife and get them all to plant trees all day and make it a competition or something. Okay, they'll enjoy it far more than sharing notes in some ghastly, ice-breaking, bullshit fucking exercise that you do in the office boardroom, and they'll be able to communicate with nature, which is really uh, quite healing for the human brain. So a lot of good can come from doing that, and you'll be doing your part. And another kind of more risque one to bring up around conservation is the simple fact is the less humans there are, the less damage there is. There are a lot of people I know who feel compelled to have many children, and yet they can't really figure out why. It's not actually for a love of children, it's more a social pressure. They feel like they have to. So people get married and they just start pumping out one kid after another without realizing that once you have more than two kids, you're now increasing the human population. That's one way to look at it, because you'll be replacing yourself and your partner, and then some. If you're going to have more than one child, consider adoption. There's really no merit to the idea it has to be your bloodlines that are your children. Okay, I know you've got a lot of attachment to that. A lot of people do, and yet we're all one species. We all originated from Africa. We all have the same basic genetics. All of that can be proven scientifically. We are all essentially one big family. Fine, have one genetic child, one bloodline child if you want to, but consider adopting the next one so that you're not consuming more resources by producing more resource consumers. You can actually raise someone who might have had a horrible life in foster care to be someone who's a really productive member of the planet, and therefore you're doing even more for the environment, plus you're saving a life. Is it not better to save a life than to create one? I'll leave that with you, but again... Remember, this whole list is just various options you could take. I don't expect anybody to do them all. But I want you to think outside the box here. And and this adoption one is a key one to outline the idea that we're going to have to do some uncomfortable things to have an impact. We can't just sit in our chair and hope for the best. And anybody adopting is doing a lot. 
especially if they're adopting when they could have a biological child, they're choosing to adopt to give someone a great life rather than bring a new life into the world. Uh, I think that's incredibly noble. Now for the last part of this, I want to talk about the three types of influence you can have. So we talked kind of about the things you can do by yourself, and now we're going to talk about how you can affect what other people do. So you can kind of have a multiplier effect. You can do your part, and then if you can convince others to do theirs, you've essentially done doubled your share of work. The first I want to talk about is financial influence. The key element to understand here is that climate change is being affected by profiteering. The reason that corporations and governments are slow to move on doing greener things and and saving the environment is because it's not profitable to do so. We, unfortunately, are a species that are absolutely owned by our obsession with accumulating financial wealth. Money talks. And therefore, how you spend is probably the best vote you can cast. Your spending habits will have more impact than your voting habits. Because it's money that controls everything. If you can make it unprofitable for a company to pollute and to damage the environment, and make it profitable for them to be green and to reduce their carbon footprint, then you will change the planet. And the way you change that is to do your little part. You vote with what's in your wallet. You spend in a green way. Now how to do this? First and foremost, you buy boutique. For those of you who don't know what that term means, essentially you're buying from entrepreneurs and business owners rather than corporations. Rather than going to the big supermarket, you go to the little grocery store uh, and you go to the butcher if you're still eating meat after this. Rather than going to the big chain fashion store, you go to your auntie's place and get her to make you a new sweater and so on. Spending your money with small business will change the economy of the planet if we all do it. Because it doesn't take much to collapse a corporation, okay? They will fall apart if they lose a certain percentage of their customers for a sustained period of time. Simple as that. And yes, there will be some hardships here. Now, I'm not advocating to try and make people lose their jobs. But if you combine this with what I talked about before, if we change into entrepreneur-like thinking, We all think, you know, the ultimate career goal is to not be a lifetime employee, but to run your own business and to be a consultant or a freelancer. Then we'll change the nature of the entire economy and entire business model for the planet. So if you make it so that people who start their own businesses are strongly rewarded and it becomes easier and easier to do because the demand for it increases, the corporations will die. Okay. And as those employees lose their job, when the downsizing happens, they will be encouraged and supported, and there will be a demand for them to start their own practices, and their own consultancies, and their own freelancing, and their own little businesses, teams of three to ten people. And those types of businesses do far less damage to the environment than big corporations. And they're generally far less greedy. Now, there'll always be that kind of rise of corporations because of the greed of people at the top but if we always have the spenders the consumers choosing the little guy over the big guy being prepared to pay a couple of bucks more to get not only 
higher quality, but to support a small business, then there's really going to be no supply to that greed. You won't be able to make it that big because there won't be anyone to buy that much stuff from you. So not only can you start your own business, you can support small businesses. This is something I try to do as much as possible. I tried to, if I'm going to buy something, I look for somebody who's real, somebody small, and uh, choose them if I can. I could be a lot better with this, and this is actually something I'm going to focus on changing a lot more in the future, like walk a few extra meters to go past the supermarket and go to the small little butchery instead, that kind of thing. There's some other things you can do. Whistleblowing. We've seen whistleblowing really take center stage over the last few years, you know, starting with Edward Snowden and then got someone calling the bullshit out on Trump lately and so on and so forth. If you work for an unethical company, I'm going to put it simply, you can make a fortune ratting, ratting them out to the media and you'll get to clear your conscience. And I'll make a pledge to you right now, Brojo will help you find more work if you choose to do this. Okay, if you whistleblow on a company that's engaging in unethical environmental practices, we will do our best to help you find a secure income and support you. You'll have a whole community behind you on this one. The reason that so many massive corporations and companies do so much damage to the environment is because they get away with it because people are keeping their mouths shut. And if people start talking more, the media is going to eat those corporations alive and they will not survive the PR nightmare that follows. And if you know of unethical companies, even if you don't work with them, blast them with complaints, report them to the media, use social media to your advantage, finally something good you can use it for, and show them what they're doing. Okay, Make it really, really unprofitable to be unethical. Make companies realize, hey, if we fuck around with this, someone's going to knock on us and we're going to lose all our business. So it's probably cheap in the long run for us to just play by the rules. Okay, you've got to make your money talk. Make it costly to hurt the environment and rewarding financially to do the right thing. The next type of impact you can have is political influence. Okay. I won't go into this one too much because I'm not a political expert of any kind and I'm not so sure this one actually has that much leverage. But one thing you do, the real obvious one, vote for green parties. Vote for parties whose policies are about the environment. We're getting to the point now where this is actually the number one issue for people to be voting on. Now these parties are often kind of not vote worthy. They might care a lot about the environment but they suck at things like business and economics. But what you can do is you can vote for them to give weight to green policies. If the other bigger parties see that green is what people are voting for, then they'll adapt their policies to get the vote. And then the big parties will start being more green. Okay, so you can use your vote kind of like a threat. Say, look, we'll put those crazy hippies in office if you guys don't buck up your ideas. Okay, and make it really public. Make it okay to vote for the greenies. It used to be something you mocked. And now, as we head towards extinction, it seems like the right move. Yes, I know, they're usually crap at all the other stuff. But they're right about the right thing, okay? Economic policy, education, none of that's going to matter if we can't fucking breathe and there's nothing to eat and all the coastal cities are flooded. So vote green. I'm not a big fan of voting in general, actually, but 
I'm, I'm, I'm not someone who's ever really voted green. I just understand the basic rationality of voting for the environment. Another one, and this one a lot of people are going to disagree on, vote against economic growth. Economic growth has been the kind of gold standard for so long now. Everybody talks about it like it's a good thing. Most people don't even know really what it means, but they say it's good that the economy grows. What they don't realize is economic growth translated means more consumption. And more consumption with not enough production equals zero. Right? We all die with too much consumption and not enough conservation and creation. So if you're voting for economic growth, you're actually voting to speed up the process of extinction at this point. Okay? Economic growth is not the gold standard measure anymore. Conservation is the new gold standard measure. How can we use more from what we've already got rather than producing more? Economic growth cannot happen without significant environmental damage. So vote for conservation. Vote for the parties that are going to try and use less, consume less, produce less, to be more effective, to use things with more leverage rather than just mass producing and just constantly creating new crap for people to buy that they don't even need, that just damages the environment and then gets thrown away as waste. Lastly, social influence. What I've noticed in the climate change kind of discussion is that a lot of people just don't even understand that climate change is real. I had a friend actually message me the other day, he's like, what's all this climate change shit? Like, he didn't even know. I was like, dude, didn't you watch Captain Planet when you were younger? We've known about this for years. It's only just now that we realize it's also going to come with an extinction problem. Use social media, use conversations with your friends to share the science of climate change. Help educate people. People don't believe in it, or they don't know it, or they don't understand it, but it's not actually that complicated. If a dumbass like me can describe it in under an hour, it's pretty simplistic. Get people to be aware of the source material, rather than sort of, you know, someone like Greta Thunberg, all the deniers jump on her because she's like this little girl, or she's autistic, or whatever the horrible things are that they say, you know, or the horrible things that they use against her, but we don't need people like her, we need scientists, and we've got them, okay? They're already speaking. They need people like her because nobody will listen to the scientists. Well, get people listening to the scientists, all right? Use the NASA website, use the United Nations website, show the truth about this to people, all right? It's undeniable. And there are plenty of pro-science websites, companies, Facebook pages that you can follow and share their material. Because the main problem that we're really facing with the environment is the anti-science mentality, this denial that people are in. Because the longer that they spend in that denial, the less likely they are to change their behavior, and, it's, and that's what's going to kill us. You need to get people feeling like essentially the way I feel, where I'm actually guilty and disappointed in myself for my part that I've played in this, and now I want to do my bit to kind of redeem myself. And the more you share the science, where you can show someone, hey, the way you live damages the environment, and here's the proof, the more they can go, shit, maybe I should change that thing, because it wouldn't even be that hard to change it. Look, do it for the children if you care about them, okay? Our children, or perhaps their grandchildren, are going to be the last generation of humans if this thing continues the way it's going. That is almost beyond doubt at this point. We are one of the last generations of humans 
if things stay the same. And that's even if they don't get worse, which they almost certainly will. If you don't want your children or your grandchildren to die suffering with war and famine and major immigration issues and massive tidal events and storms and everything like that, if you don't want them to die suffering, we can do the prevention work now. All right, and we'll also be role models for them so that they can continue and maintain that prevention work and predict the next generation. And if you only care about yourself, that's fine, but understand that if you're under 50 years old, you're going to see this. 2050, that's the date that scientists have given us of when the big disasters are going to happen. All right, And there's going to be a build-up to that. It's not going to be a sudden turning point. Things are going to get worse and worse building up to that, but it's around that date that scientists claim that things are going to get really fucking awful for all of us. So if you think you're going to be alive around 2050, then look out for your own best interests here. Plant a tree now so that you can breathe in 2051. I've said my piece. I'm not here to debate climate change. If any of you don't believe in it, go to the science websites. I don't want to hear from you. Okay, I'm not here to debate. I'm not going to debate whether or not the earth is round. I'm not going to debate whether or not apples exist. And I'm not going to debate whether or not climate change is real. Okay, there's just no point. If you've got more ideas on little things that you can do to have an impact as an individual, share them in the comments below. Let everyone know. Anything practical, fun and rewarding, let's make it enjoyable to do our part. It doesn't have to be miserable. Thank you so much for listening. We'll go back to our normal material after this. I just had to say my part and then go and do my bit. I'm going to be planting trees next weekend. And uh, looking forward to that. I'll see you guys next time. Cheers. Cheers.